What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way, is Mr. David Hoyle of Cool Beans in Statesboro, Georgia. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to have, glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, tell me a little bit about Cool Beans. I know Cool Beans just because I go to the shop. It is one of my favorite places to go for coffee. Uh, but you are the entrepreneur that's behind that business. Yes. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, for me, it's, uh, you know, I'm... Went to college here in Statesboro back in the 80s, graduated, got a real job, real life. Real uh, job? Real, yes. Uh, what were you doing before? So I was um, had several jobs. Coming out of school, just like everybody out of Statesboro, went to Atlanta, had a job as an auditor for actually Aaron. It's Aaron Sales now, or Aaron Rent-to-Own now. It used to be just Aaron Rents. Okay. And I was in their corporate office. And the reason I took the job, I was able to travel across the, around the country. So it was like I was in a different city every other day. And how was that? Uh, I loved it for a year and a half. Yeah? But because I was just out of school, I was young. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, sowing my oats, and it was like just seeing the country and had never, I mean, I traveled, but not like that. Yeah. So favorite place that you went to during the, that period of time, that year um, and a half? Probably New Mexico. Yeah. I was in Tucson and I just remember, and this is going to sound silly, but I had my first breakfast taco. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a guy in a truck pulled up to where we were doing our inventory and uh-huh. the auditing. And I'm like, I've never had a breakfast taco. Sure. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Huh? It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's just beautiful country yeah. uh, out there. Just Very the, dry. It is, but yeah. it's it's beautiful. Love it's it. beautiful out there. Love it. So you did that for a year and a half. And yeah. then what kind of like Well, transpired? so I got tired of, of traveling. Okay. Um, sure. So I went into the corporate office for a year and we developed uh, the the position I had changed. And so I worked with the, the corporate leaders to create this new position And then we hired everybody and I trained them. Uh, So I still travel, but not as much. And I had control of my travel. Love that. So it wasn't bad. So I did that for about, I don't know, it was probably another year, year and a half. And just some things were going on internally with the business that that I didn't feel comfortable with. And so Mm -hmm. I just kind of like, okay, I'm going to step away. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's so I quit yeah and didn't have anything lined up you know that story it's like you got to make sure you have something lined up okay that's true uh-huh. uh, i didn't do it so i was waiting tables you know because it's that's okay. what i did through college is i waited tables so i went and got a job at a bennigan's uh and this again was back in the in the early 90s mm-hmm. uh so i did that for probably six months and then one morning as i was walking out of a poker game I realized it was six o'clock in the morning. It's like, I'm too old for this. I got to get a real job again. Uh, so it was like, all right. So then I, I came back to Statesboro. Actually, yeah. I was visiting my brother and there's a Freeman Jewelers in the Statesboro Mall. Mm-hmm. So I went in, never been in a jewelry store. Okay. Uh, except to get a battery change on a watch. Gotcha. And they're like, yes, we're looking for, for salespeople. Uh-huh. Would you be interested as a manager training? I was like, yeah, it's a job. I need a job. Sure. Uh, so I took it and uh, turned into my career. Uh, okay. Was, train, was trained here for about a year and a half and then got my first store in Myrtle Beach. Okay. Uh, so I was in Myrtle Beach and then 
They moved me to Savannah Mall. Uh, and then I moved up to Statesboro. And this, believe it or not, the Statesboro Mall, we had 750 stores all across the country from from Georgia to California. Statesboro Mall was the number one volume store in the company. How is that possible? So for for, th- for those listeners that don't know about the Statesboro Mall, we call it the small for short. It is literally a tiny, tiny mall. But you're saying that it has the number one Friedman jeweler it did yes oh, okay so, uh i mean they're they've liquidated okay gotcha. uh, but yeah so it was it's there's a lot of money and a lot of farming um a lot of old money in the statesboro area and where we're located you have to drive an hour and a half to augusta an hour to savannah mm-hmm. macon and so everybody would come to statesboro and even was it was a small poopy mall back then <laughs> Uh, it still was, it was bad, but we were a destination there. And yeah. so, and Freeman's had been there since the sixties. Sure. Uh, and the previous managers had all built the business up. Um, I can remember as a trainee there, the first time I sold one carat diamond ring, it was, it was only five grand back then, but the guy came in and had just come in off the farm. He would track mud in the store. My manager was mad. Because he had got, he literally got mud on the floor uh-huh. on the carpet. Yeah, and she was like, "David, you need to tell him he needs to go clean his boots." Uh-huh. And I said, "I'm trying to sell a, <laughs> a, a ring. Let me make the so, sale first. I know, yeah. <laughs> so, he, but he just wrote me a check. Yeah, for it was like five thousand plus tax. Wow. What was commission back then? Uh, it was um, holy cow, one one percent. Okay. So I mean, it wasn't a lot. I still. But it was still good. Yeah. And as a salesperson, it was. Sure. I mean, once you got into management, that's when we really started making money. Got you. Because we did all our own collections. And so you'd get a percentage of everything went in the bank. Wow. Uh, which, yes. And that's where you really started making money in the, in the as industry. As a manager. Yeah, as a manager. But, yeah, so I, I did that uh, you know, for a year and a half. And then, like I said, they moved to Savannah and then Hinesville back here. Um, and then had... Uh, I'm not gonna say falling out. Just you know, I'm hard-headed. I know how things should be done. Got you. Um, my VP had different ideas, and so we just had a parting sure. of the ways. And so, what was the biggest lesson that you learned while you were working? Jewelry? Uh, customer service. Okay. One hundred percent, and that, and developing relationships. Okay. And that's helped me throughout my life. But yeah. Freeman's model. So they weren't fancy like Windsor Jewelers or uh, Tiffany and Company. It was your customer, our customer base was Walmart customers. Mm. So they didn't have a lot of money. We did credit. And so to credit, I as a manager had the opportunity or the ability to say, okay, Adam, let me see your credit report where you work. Okay, I'm going to give you credit. Sure. Um, Which is great if you're trained properly because I had to collect it. Yeah. So I I, you. if you didn't pay me, I had to go knock on your door. Yeah. Did you ever have to do yes. that? Oh, yeah. you did. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Uh-huh. I've got great stories about what <laughs> things that have happened. Um, but it's because I developed a relationship with you, you're like, oh, David, this is what I got or this is what happened. Uh-huh. And I'll work with you. Sure. And that's why I just tell people, just talk to me. Let me sure. know what's going on. And I'll do everything I can to help you out. I mean, I had customers that would file bankruptcy and they would come and say to me, hey, because you took a chance on me, I'm not putting you in my bankruptcy. I want to keep paying you. Got and you. They, and wow. they did. This is fascinating to me because you are identifying, even at this stage, you're identifying risk. Right. Right. At a high level. Because oh, yeah. you, you have to say, like, whether or not this person is going to pay or not. How do you do that? Um, is it a feeling? Well, OK. Technically, it's not supposed to be. OK. Um, but but the wiggle, there's some gray. There area is. There's there, gray area. Right? So I would run your credit report. I would look at your job, your stability, where you're from. 
in this small community, if I knew your family or anybody mm. in your family, that makes a difference too. Uh, but I would say, okay, I'd have models to use. And it, it might be, okay, so you're just out of college, you know, and you want to get a $5,000 ring. And it's like, well, your credit's only going to really give you 1000 I said, let's start with that and then build our way up. Sure. And that's how you build relationships. Um, but also, too, if you were iffy, like let's say that you had – had a bad, it didn't pay your credit cards in college. Sure. So your credit was bad. You had a low beacon score. History. Yeah. yeah. And so I could pull it up and look at it and I say, man, I'm not supposed to open you. <laughs> but I was, if I liked you and I could tell sure. you had a fit, that's where the feeling came in. I said, you know what? I'll take a chance. I'll give you $500. Sure. And there's always that calculated risk on how much credit that I could give you. The problem that the company ran into is that I was trained properly. Uh, so I didn't have a problem. I can make take a chance on you, but I knew, and you knew, that sure. I would come knock on your door. Sure. But with the newer managers, as we started growing and expanding, newer managers weren't trained that way. Gotcha. And nobody wants to collect. Sure. And then we were, most people don't want to collect. So you had more money out. Yeah. So And my bonuses were dependent on my sales. Got you. So if I needed sales, it's like, okay, you breathing? Yeah. Here, let me give you credit. Got you. Understood. And so because that happened so much, uh, they ran into a problem with, with delinquencies and what they were reporting. And then they went public and had to report to the SEC and a lot of falseness. Yeah. So Gotten to. It, what happened was the CEO spent 12 years in prison. Wow. For lying to the DOJ. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a, it was an interesting time. Yeah. You know, and then, so I was in here in Statesboro when I left, uh, that corporate office actually called me and said, hey, we've got a new chief merchandiser. They're looking for somebody from the field. Yeah. And so I was unemployed for a month. And then uh -huh. I went back to Savannah. They're based in Savannah and started working in the corporate office. At, 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 at Freeman still. Okay. So, yeah, they, they hired me back. Um, so how do I get to coffee? Uh, well, right? so I'm like, not, so, we're, not so, even, we're not even there. We're still like yeah, yeah, yeah. probably <laughs> 10 years away from coffee. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so what happens next? So um, stay with Freeman. And then finally, the a bunch of legal, legal mumbo-jumbo, mm -hmm. the company was put into bankruptcy. They were hedge funds were playing with the company. Gotcha. Uh, and they ended up the very last bankruptcy. We thought they were going to buy us back out, but they ended up getting sold to a liquidator. Gotcha. So we liquidated. Uh, and I remember that because I was uh, I'd moved back into operations. I was the director of operations, uh, working with the four regional VPs. Uh, we were trying to build the company, had a plan, and then they set up. We're shutting everything down. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the very end, I remember I it was myself and the VP of HR. We uh, let go. I think that day I'll never forget. It, it was uh, April fifth, two thousand and eight, okay. and I let it was probably fifty. Five, 60 people. Wow. I let them go. Now, I they, everybody knew what was coming, so it wasn't as bad, but mm -hmm. it was still, it was a tough, tough day for me. Yeah. And so when I was done. These were all like relationships that you all had people I knew all, yes. all over time, right? Yeah, that they knew me, I knew them. Um, How those conversations go? Was there, uh, I guess there was something called severance? Uh, there was. We had severance okay. package. So, but they knew that was part of it. But as in a, any corporation, they're trying to keep everything secret. Until the end, because you, yeah. you don't want people stealing. I mean, sure, there's a lot of sure. a lot of stuff, you, you know, and you don't want people quitting because they still the bankruptcy. They still need to get as most money as they sure. can during the bankruptcy sale. Um, but yeah, so I told my guys this is coming. I had a team of twelve in the corporate office, and then worked with all the uh, district. What do we call them? Uh, senior partners. Sure. And when it came time, I would call them up and say, "Hey, this is David." Uh, 
So I know this isn't a surprise, but you this know, is what's going this on. This is what's happening. We're going to have to let you go. Here's your severance package. And I would listen to it. Most of them were, yeah, we knew it was coming. They've already had jobs lined up. And a couple of them were very upset, like some of the newer supervisors, sure. you know, and it's and it was tough. But I, I felt them. It's like, hey, I'm in your in your shoes. I've been there and I'm going through the same thing, too. Um, and I got through almost all of my uh, supervisors. And then the chief legal counsel came in and was like, are, what are you doing? And I said, well, HR, the it was one of the other HR directors. She told me to, to let all the supervisors come. And he's like, no, who's going to run the stores? Because we've got to do the liquidation sale. And I was like, well, I mean, I've got three people left on my list. What do you want me to do? Well, you need to call people. And see. And I said, no, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, we need uh, five oh people. Oh, my God. So, oh, so you needed two more. Well, I know I had to find five more people to stay. Okay. So the ones that I called, I had the three left that I needed to call. Okay. And they're like, yeah, we'll stay. Because I offered them, you know, severance. They were like, here's what you're and then I'm like, well, now I got to call two people. So I was like, I had to call, and I called the ones I knew the closest. I said, hey, you know when I called you a while ago and fired you? I was just kidding. Um, so I was able to bring those people back on, okay. kept them on. And then they were like, okay, you need to stay. Because I was walking out the door. I'd already been fired. Yeah. Uh, by my we, my VP and I fired each other. Oh, really? And so, yeah, we were going to grab a beer, and we were out in the parking lot, and LP came and said, hey, David, they need to talk to you. And it's like, we don't have anybody in operations to run the field. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, okay. So they gave me a really nice severance. Well, not nice, but they gave me a severance package. Okay. They said, we need you to stay 90 days. Okay. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And that was probably the most stressful three months of my life. Why? Well, so every problem that the liquidators didn't want to deal with, I had to deal with. So if you were a vendor, a jewelry repairman, oh. uh, we owed you money. We owed you money, but we couldn't pay any money because everything had to go through the bankruptcy court. Sure. And so they're calling me and say, hey, what about this? Same thing, customer complaints. Every single customer oh. complaint came to me. It was, I mean, it was tough because it was like every day it was something. And I had people calling because we had a diamond, a lifetime diamond warranty. Mm. Well, what about my ring? Sure. Well, I'm sorry. We're, we're not going to yeah, be here gonna, in two months. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to sue you. And I was like, get in line. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember my last day was July 4th, July 3rd. It was a Friday. And I got my Jeep to to go home and i was like i mean i was just exhausted i was spent i ended up taking a month off and not do anything because it just was so stressful um i did was able to wrangle a trip to the cayman islands because they were looking for a trainer so yeah. they flew me down one of the jewelry places there so they flew me down for three days and uh, still freeman's no this is a different this is different different company yeah, okay. so but i was able to get a little vacation yeah time. yeah yeah uh, but when i came back um the liquidators called me and said hey we you know if you're interested in doing this and i was like yeah because i don't know what i'm gonna do sure so i did liquidation for two years we liquidated service merchandise stephen berry's uh linens and things uh so i did that for two years and then had a buddy uh who was retired from the military doing government contracting and he was a um the company they work for was a, tele, a telecom company. Okay. And so they said, hey, we're just looking for laborers, just pulling cables. So like these cables right here. Sure. We would run them, anything from the wall back yeah. is what we would install. Um, and so I got in there and it was like, yeah, this is easy work. So I was, you know, and we were in San Antonio again. Uh, I was doing the work there. Something happened and within three months I was the project manager. Um, so I ran that project. What What are your, what is allowing you to move into management so quickly. So we mentioned one of the things, which mm-hmm. was like, you know, obviously you care, like I think people should care a lot about the reputation, right? Saying right. saying what you're going to do and doing it. 
and then not only doing that, but being reliable, mm-hmm. right? But then it seems like regardless of what you're doing, you just move directly as quickly to the top. Yeah, and I don't, and it's not something I do. It's just like I do my job how I best see it, mm-hmm. and you know, and it is really being dependable. Sure. Uh, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's it's not any fun because you get extra work. Sure. Uh, but you just kind of soldier through it. And then you get the perks that came with it. Like I, when I was at Freeman Jewelers towards the end, because I was always a person everybody count on, I was playing golf with the CEO yep. and the senior leadership. You know, we'd drive down to Hilton Head and play golf. And we awesome. was able to go, I was able to go on cruises, you know, yeah. like leadership cruises and stuff like that. Uh, so it was, it was good. I mean, it was a good company that did me really well, but that was because I gave them everything I had. Sure. Uh, and so, and a lot of times that's not, doesn't get recognized. Uh, and it's and it's tough. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, man, I'm just slaving away doing this. Why, you know, why am I not getting anything from this? Yeah. You know, so why should I give these, this company my extra time and hour? And it's, you know, I think what is the big thing now? It's uh, quiet quitting. Um, what is that? I think it's people are just doing the minimum mm. just to get by. You know, it's like, why should I do something extra for them? I think, you know, what's interesting about this right now is we live in a day and age where even if you have just a little bit of work ethic, mm-hmm. you will, because everybody else is just doing the bare minimum, you will rise very quickly. Oh, you quickly. shine. Yeah, You absolutely. shine. Even if it's just like, uh, and it, it's it's crazy that it's like this right now. Mm-hmm. It's one of the questions that I, I talk with entrepreneurs all the time about. It's like, you know, how do I get my team to be able to go out and achieve more, right? Before it was like, I don't know what it was like when 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 you were like you know on the come up right mm-hmm. like when you were working, but it seems so difficult right now in this day and age. Well, it it is, but as a leader, you have to lead by example. Yep. You know, and it's you know I like right now I have a team of thirteen, and they're almost all college kids. Yeah. You know, and and I hear them, and I hear them talk, and what their expectations are, but I can only teach them what I know. Yeah. And and that's what I tell them. It's like if you tell me you're going to do something, do it. Yeah. If you can't, just it's okay. But you need to let me know. Don't let me expect something to be done, and all of a sudden it's not. Sure. Um. And one of them, I remember, she she graduated, and she was like, you know, I've got this job at a corporate company, and but I'm only going to do, you know, what I'm supposed to do. So sure. nine to five, nothing extra. And it's like, why? What What does that get you? You're just slaving away, not moving forward. You're just going to be stuck in that same spot because as they're looking for leaders or sure. people to promote, well, no, you know, David doesn't do anything extra. He just does the bare minimum. Yeah. And that's very obvious. You might not realize it, but that is very obvious to to the upper management. Yeah. It should be. Let me put it that way. That's right. It's not always. That's right. Um, but I always tell them, it's like, hey, this is my life experience. Let me help you guys. This is what I you need that. to do. Uh, same thing with anybody that graduates that works for me. I always sit down with them and say, okay, look, when you start looking for work, everything's negotiable. Yeah. You know, just because they say, hey, we're going to pay you 25 grand, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that's – they have a, a range. Because as a director of recruiting, I was on the other side. Yeah. And so we did things that just blew my mind. You sure. Know, given like $50,000 signing bonuses. Yeah. Uh, $10,000 moving bonuses. Yeah. I'm like, why are we doing that? So I can just hire them. Sure. And they're like, no, we got to give them extra money. So I tell them, you know, you always negotiate. And let's say that there is a budget. Sure. And you can only make 30000 Well, then negotiate for extra vacation time. That costs anything. Because most of the time you don't get any vacation for your first six months. And then maybe first year you get a year. Mm-hmm. And then after five years, you get two years. Got you. Vacation is too important. <laughs> you got to negotiate that and just say, hey, let's, let me start at 
you know, three weeks vacation. So let's get back to you're putting you're putting wires in, right? Like right. that's where yeah. you were at. Yeah. So I, I started doing that, and then there was a couple other projects that I had to fix. And I'm really good with people. Mm. Uh, customer service has always been my strong point, and I like I connect, and a yep. lot of that really can trace back to Freedom Jewelers. Yeah. So the it got to where upper management, like the guys in San Antonio, really liked me. Sure. Um, and then. The, that job ended. I left, and they called me six months later and said, hey, we got this big job in Kansas City. Would you be interested? Sure. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Uh, so went to Kansas City. Uh, I got to – and that's where I actually got into coffee. Okay. Because well, I was in Kansas City. So okay. that's my prime, which is basically my boss, which was another company that hired our company. Her and I would sit in our trailer, job trailer, and – uh, we would drink Starbucks and I said, hey, let's go try other coffee. So we started trying different coffee shops. Like specialty. Yeah, specialty coffee in Kansas City. And I there was a place called, and I can't remember the name of it now, but they did pour overs. Okay. And it was the first time I did a pour over. And it's like, man, I love this. Yeah. And I wasn't a big coffee drinker. Yeah. Uh, until then. And I mean, I was just like everybody else. I go to Starbucks and get a triple grande soy, three pump skinny mocha. Okay. Um, okay. That's the but, order. Yeah. But not anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I started doing pour overs and I was like, I'm really enjoying doing this. And so I was making my own coffee every morning doing pour overs. Uh, became a coffee snob, actually. Okay. Well, the company also had government contracts in U.S. embassies around the world where they would run, you know, they would have to build skiffs, they would have to run cables, you know, they remodel. And so they sent me to Caracas, Venezuela. Okay. Went down there. They were building uh, the barracks. The marine barracks were off campus. So they wanted to take that house and just build barracks for them on campus or on the, in the, I forget what it's called, on the compound. Sure. So they had the locals were building everything, but they needed me to come supervise all the. We had to pull phone lines, the, the wires, yeah. yeah, all the wires and stuff, coax. Uh, so I was able to go there, and I remember it was right around the time uh, Chavez died, mm. um, and so he was in Cuba. He was still alive, and he was in Cuba. Uh, so we were. I was in staying in a hotel, and that really is a third world country. I mean, I was in probably one of the nicest resorts in Caracas. But it still was like a three-star resort. Mm. Um, and the shortages, like it's worse now, but they did have shortages. You know, I in the day, like for towels, I might one day get four washcloths, one hand towel, no bath towel. <laughs> uh-huh. Or I might get five bath towels. So you never really knew. And same thing with food. My first night there for dinner, I had a beer. And it was one of the local beers. It was really good. Never had it. Any of my other trips, never could get it again. They were yeah. always out. So I was in the morning in, eating breakfast. And I had a cup of coffee. And again, I was drinking Starbucks, so yeah. I didn't know what good coffee was. And I was like, well, this is pretty good. And then the next day they were out of milk. So I'm like, okay, so I can just put sugar in my coffee. Sure. And then the next day they were out of sugar and milk. So I'm like, okay, so now it's like, okay, black coffee. <laughs> yeah. I need coffee. And I drank, and it was like, man, this is really good. Yeah. And so I tried to talk, and I don't speak Spanish. Sure. And they didn't speak English. They did, That was probably one of the only... I guess foreign countries I've gone to where they didn't like Americans. Okay. And it was fairly obvious. Yeah. Uh, they didn't go out of the way to help you. They weren't yeah. friendly. Um, and it, but it took me a minute, but I found out it was fresh coffee that I believe it came from Colombia, which is the next country over. But it was my first time having fresh coffee. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, that's really good. So at the end of that trip, I went back and flew into Houston and got out, and there was a Starbucks right by my gate. And I remember smelling that. And it was that, that dark... I'm going to say burnt, but just like Roast, over, yeah. over-roasted yeah. smell. And that doesn't even smell good. Yeah. Uh, so 
that really pushed me out. Okay, I'm going to find some good coffee. Yeah. Uh, in town, here in Statesboro, my brother was still here. Uh, my niece sings, and somebody that sang with her at Plaid Dot, her dad was Wayne Hart, who owned La Dia. Yeah. They went out of, he went out of business, and my brother called me and said, hey, this guy's got all this coffee equipment sitting in his back room of his trophy shop. You want? He wants to sell it. So... I was like, yeah, I'll talk to him. So I ended up buying. But this is when you were still working for. Yeah, so okay, still working here but because I was making money. Yeah. So, but I so I bought all his equipment, got a great deal on it, and put it in storage. And yeah. was still working in Kansas City, uh, plugging away. But now I knew I had my back pocket. Some coffee I, stuff. Yeah, I, I had my equipment. What did you I have back then? So I had my espresso machine, which is the most expensive thing to start sure. out with. Uh, a couple fridges. Um, Roaster? No, no, that no came roaster. later. No, roaster came okay. later. Yeah, roaster came later. Uh, but it was, it was pretty much just the fridges, the espresso machine, and then other odds and ends, uh, like a hot water heater, or coffee brewer, things like that. So I had that and just put it in storage. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's here. It, it was, I don't even remember what day, but I remember I was sitting in a parking lot at Home Depot because I had to get some screws or something. And I'm like, I hate this. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, one, I'm away from my family and friends because I was in yeah. Kansas, which I love Kansas City. Were you burnt City. out? I think I was. I think I was. Uh, but I love Kansas City. Sure. I mean, great, great town, great barbecue, great coffee. Um, and it's like, you know, I think I'm going to do something. Um, and I had a friend that owned, it wasn't Cake then, it was Sweet Cheeks Bakery. Yeah. Um, Jahela Aikens. And she, every time I talked to her, she said, oh, you should come open a coffee shop. Come open a coffee shop. Because I had talked about it. But but at that point, had anybody tasted, like, your product before? I didn't have a product. You didn't have a product at I all. Didn't even, I didn't even know how to do an espresso machine. I knew how to do a pour over. That's uh-huh. it. Um, and so I said, okay, I called Jahail up. I'm going to do it. I turned my notice in. And Was that a shock to everyone? Um, yes, it was. And one of the owners was, like, who's the guy that brought me on in the beginning – Hey, good luck. I know you're going to do well. Just really gracious, you know. And I said, you know, I'm trying not to leave. Don't ever burn bridges when you sure. leave. I mean, because you never mm. know. You never know when you have to go back somewhere. Yep. So I was. Everything was great with him. The other owner was like, laughed at me and says, "You're not going to make it." He says, "You can't make any money on a coffee shop." Ooh, wow. And I'm like, okay. Did and that, that's did... that drives me. Ooh. You tell me I can't do something or I can't be <laughs> successful. Then I'm going to do everything in my power to be successful. Love that. So, and I'm pretty sure two years ago, a year ago, and it wasn't pretty, but the company that we worked for went out of business. So they're gone. I'm still open. I'm still running my coffee shop. (laughs) So it's like, you know, don't tell me that I can't do this. I put my mind to. Love it. Um, Got everything lined up, uh, was looking for, came to town a couple of times looking for a place, couldn't figure it out. So when I told Jahela, she's like, just come inside here, come into my shop, set up your little counter. And that was really a great way to do it because it kept all my initial costs very, very low. <clears throat> and so I'm, it, it was another day I was sitting in the Lowe's parking lot. She called me up. She says, hey, I just want to let you know that I sold my business. And I'm like, what? what? Why did you do that? Yeah, it's like I've already turned my notice in. Sure. And I'm going to come open a coffee shop. Oh, well, you'll love the uh, new owner. And she, I've talked to her and told her about you. She's excited. So I had to call up Shannon. And we had a great conversation, hit it off really good. Uh, she was starting her business. I was starting mine, and she let me put that little. I had like a six by eight space. I remember that. Yeah, and so set it up, and we just both got it going. What 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 do you think? Kind of like I guess you're. It, it had burned you out at that point, like the the previous job, and but why did you think coffee was it? Because uh, I wanted to do something I enjoyed, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do 
something that I owned, mm. uh, you know, working for other owners. And it's different when it's a corporation because you don't really see the owners. I mean, you see the upper levels of management. Sure. You see your pathways. But as when there's an owner and you see how they operate and it's like, well, you know, I can do I can do this better. Or I sure. Can do something like this. Sure. And it's like, you know, I, I think I want to try to on my own. Yeah. And, just do it. and and I will say just from my life experience, I've always had confidence that no matter what, that I'll, I'll figure something out and I'll do well at it. But yeah, so I just started, you know, doing coffee and it's just me and my French presses and my espresso machine and just yeah. making coffee. Yeah. Uh, did that, started playing around with coffee to roast because uh, there's a couple of home things you can do, like a little bread machine and, sure. a, and a torch. Uh, and I remember my, uh, my epiphany on that was I had three bags of coffee from my three suppliers and it was all, it was an Ethiopian and it's like, you know, I'm just going to make each one and just try it. And there was a distinct difference in all three. And it was the, the level and the quality of the roasting. And you could, I could really taste it. And I, I was like, you know, I can do this. Sure. So I bought a little home roaster called a Baymore. Uh, it was basically like a little toaster oven with this uh, basket in it that spun. So it did that. We brought it in for my regulars who some of them are still coming in love that. a couple of times a week from love when that. I first opened. And I let them try it and like, man, you need to sell this. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I started selling it and I just gradually did away with what I was buying. And then you just started using your own. own. Yeah. And then as my roasting grew, you know, start out, I was roasting like on the weekend for two hours and then on the weekend for six hours and then all weekend from eight to six, Saturday and Sunday, bought another little roaster got back down to a couple hours and then just grew again to where I was all weekend. That's all I was doing was roasting. Sure. And even during the week. So then stepped up from the Baymores to a sauna fresco, uh, roasted on that for a year and a half. Got to the point, because it started out again, I'd roast for an hour and be done for the week. Mm-hmm. And then I was roasting all weekend. And I was like, this is crazy. So that's yeah. when I finally bit the bullet and bought the roaster in my shop now. Got you. And... Um, so you're upgrading machines. You're right. trying to like, you know, starting to grow on that front. Yeah. And so as I roast more and more and more people are coming to like, the shop. Yeah, coming to the shop. They're liking the coffee. Are you selling your beans anywhere at this yeah, point? Yeah, th- I've got them in my shop right now. Yeah, besides that. No, I had them in um, in a local grocery store. Something happened in North Carolina. I think it was like uh, either food poisoning mm. or E. coli or something. So they pulled everything out. And so I just pulled it out. Got you. Because uh, I was selling, but not as much as I like. Sure. Um, and so I was just kind of, let me just wait. Um, How'd that, you come up with the name? So that's a funny story. Um, my my original thought for a name was Blind Willies. Okay, uh, because Statesboro. Because Statesboro, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And so I was sitting with my brother and his wife, and I said, so I think I'm going to open the coffee shop. I'm going to call it Blind Willies. And my sister-in-law used to always say, cool beans. Yeah. And she said, cool beans. And I was like, wait. I like that I, one. I, I like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, man, that's a good name, too. Uh-huh. Uh, so then I just went to Cool Beans. And when I went to uh, register the name, it was like, there's so many Cool Beans. Yeah. And so then I had to do couldn't do Cool Beans Coffee, Cool yeah. Beans Cafe. So I had to do Cool Beans Espresso Bar, which worked because I was just a bar. Yeah. Uh, so now we're not. Now we're a shop. But yeah. it's like, you know, might as well just, we'll just keep it Cool Beans Espresso Bar. Yeah. So just did that. Very nice. So you you kind of like you know transitioned and you know you're you're growing at a phenomenal rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, how quickly were you kind of like getting having to get new machines? Uh, it was about every three years on the roasters. Gotcha. Uh, and now the one I have is it's still you know I can roast everything I need for the week in six hours. That's great. So which is perfect for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I try to roast during the day 
when customers are there so I can talk to them. Uh, but normally I'll come in on, you know, after hours in the evenings or on Sundays. Uh, that's the unseen part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, but I'll roast just so I can get it done and get out of the way. Because if there's not anybody for me to talk to, then I can focus and I can get it done a lot faster. Because yeah. I obviously like to talk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now I'm on my machine. I do uh, usually about nine pounds uh, a roast. Um, so you started in kind of like this, um, you said 600 square feet. Uh, yeah, it was, it was like, 40. No, it wasn't 600. It was uh, 40, 480. 480. It was a six by eight space. Yeah, super small. Yes. And then you kind of like started growing. And then now you are actually in uh, like your own. My own space. Yes. Yeah. So t- talk to me about like, you know, the journey there. Well, so I was in the bakery and we were in there. I mean, we had a great relationship. You know, people would come and get a cupcake or a quiche and they would get a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and I was roasting uh, th- the Eagle Creek Brew. Let me let me roast in their back room. So I had my roaster set up back there. Um, but when I got my new, you know, expensive roaster, it was like I need to showcase this. So I talked to the owner of the bakery and I said, "Hey, can I bring my roaster in?" She's like, "No, I don't have. You don't have space for no it. Space, we can't do yeah. it." And I was like, "Okay, that's fair enough." I said, "Well, I'm going to start looking for a new place." And I mean, and I said it nice. I mean, I wasn't like, "Oh, well, fine, I'll find some place," but I, it didn't come across that way. Uh, and you know, and it's, it's sometimes you gotta be careful. Like when you're talking to people, sure. You, I know what's in my head. Sure. Sometimes it come out. So apparently I didn't say it right. Uh, so she's like, well, I'm going to rebrand to a bistro. And I said, fair enough. I said, let me find a place. So I actually had something lined up. It was here Yeah. in the, out in the front of the, gotcha. the big, uh, business innovation group. Mm-hmm. And he's the, the guy was like, Hey, you know, go ahead. We start setting up. Everything's going to be great. And at the very last minute, he called me up, and I was in Cleveland visiting my sister. Said, "Hey, just got a call from Board of Regents. Can't do it. Anything that's on campus needs to be owned by oh, George Southern." I hate that. And and I get that, and it makes sense. And there was a guy who's going to do a sandwich shop, same boat as me. Yeah, it's like we can't do it. And yeah. I said, "Okay, uh, that's totally fine." And so I was like, "Now I got to find some place." Yeah. And I was in Cleveland, and I had to be out of my space by Monday. So I was like, "All right, what am I going to do?" Um, luckily, I uh, was able to, one of my friends who's a realtor, uh, was able to hook me up with the people that are on the hall. They had a back part of their rental venue that they didn't really use very often. It was maybe a changing room or maybe they would have cocktails in there. They said, yeah, just come here because it was short term. Yeah. I said, I just need something short term. Yeah. And so I went in, looked at it, sat down, shook hands. I said, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And, and that was... It was interesting. That was my lease. Was yeah. shaking hands, and because he was an older guy, yep. just like I was. Yep. It's like your word, your bond. I know that's not a big thing anymore, but it's like you say you're going to do something, yeah. then you do it. And yeah. so we kind of both agreed on that. So I stayed there, year short term, year and a half later. Yeah. Finally moved into my were own you, place. Were you worried about kind of you know um, because the street visibility of your first shop was mm-hmm. high, right? Right. Like it's it's a lot more than kind of like being on the backside. Did you oh, experience? I was any scared sort to death. Of, scared to death. Scared to death. Um, I my customers, employees were like, no, these people, these are your customers. They're going to love you. They're going to follow you wherever you go. And I'm like, I didn't believe it. Yeah. Because I'd rather be surprised than sure. than shocked. <laughs> okay. Um, and so when we moved. Uh, people, they found, it took them a minute to find us. Sure. And they, you know, so there was a little drop in sales, but as they found us, they started coming in. Well, so we moved Labor Day um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And by November, the bistro was for sale. Yeah. And so, and she just, it just, it turned out that those customers were, were, actually, were my customers 
Or I and was a were, big part of it. And they were just coming to, to get of, coffee, and then they were able to get other things, too. And I liked the idea that I was kind of off the beaten path. You kind of had to know about me. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of that whole mystique. Yeah. And it helped, and we were growing, picking up business. Uh, but, again, I was it was only temporary, and I was looking for my own place. Uh, and then when that place where I'm at now opened up, I, I didn't – I jumped on it. It was during COVID. There was a cabinet shop in there. And I knew the owner or one of the guys that ran it, mm-hmm. and I knew his wife. They were both customers. And so I would just ask, yeah. you know, hey, you know, how's it going over there? And during COVID, as a cabinet shop, you know, people couldn't go into the shop. So it was all online, and they were transitioning to online. And I knew they were paying rent. And so I knew at some point when their lease was up, they were not going to renew their lease. And so I remember just was, waiting. Yeah, I was waiting. And I was talking and putting the word out. And there were several people that helped out. Uh, and in December, I sent to the property manager, I said, hey, when this lease opens up. I want it. Let me know. Yeah, because I want it. Yeah. Well, they sent me a message back and said, hey, it's not going to open up. They're going to renew their lease. And I knew they weren't. Yeah. And so the next week, they, I got an email and said, hey, it's open up. You want to meet there? And I was like, heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> Walk through it. Uh, it's like, you know, I didn't want to seem too eager. Sure. You know, because you're always trying to get your best deal and everything. It. But it was like. I need this it. was the one. Yeah. So they weren't supposed to be out until the end of March. Um, so the first week of February is when I signed my lease. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want it. And then, and nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew that they were not going to renew their lease. And when word got out, a bunch of people approached the the leasing company because they wanted that space. Sure. And but it's, it's like, already it's, been it's signed. Already, yeah, it's already been leased out. Nice. So what, what was the transition like moving from kind of like the hall to mm-hmm. then the... Uh, the space you know, that. it was, you know, I went from five tables and four, cha- uh, so 20 chairs um, to 43 seats. Yeah. And so it was, it was a big transition. I had Lori Tiddick, who's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, she's awesome. She is. I hired her and she designed it. Yeah. And so I told her, it's like, here's what we can do. You tell me what I need. Cause I didn't want to spend a ton of money sure. buying things. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, what can we thrift yeah you know because it's, it's a big expense and anytime you start something new or move you know you have a huge outlay of cash well that money's got to be paid back that's right or it's got to come from somewhere that's right so it's like let's do stuff on i don't want to say on the cheap yeah but on the low and then Lori's is so phenomenal like she would take tables and chairs paint them re, uh-huh. redo them yeah and you could never tell yeah i mean it's like wow this is a really trendy cheap place because of her skills in, in decorating was it smooth sailing? No. Because in my mind, I knew what I wanted. Yeah. Like I wanted a swing in there. Yeah. I wanted AstroTurf. <laughs> I wanted a TV. And she never knew if I was serious. And I was. Yeah. And she was like, no, David. It's like, you know, I want to turn into the coolest man cave ever. That's right. And she's like, no, because women won't come in here. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah. And so she's like, you just let me do my thing. Yeah. And so I did. I, I was like, you just tell me what I need to pay you. And it looks amazing in there. She did such a phenomenal job. And yeah. so many people come in. We get compliments, you know, every week. And it's like, man, we don't expect to see something like this in Statesboro. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now, you know, as a, a brand, uh, you have, you command even a larger audience because you have the space. Right. Because you have, like, the ability to kind of sit there. And the visibility. Forward. Yes. That moving to that street, it was even before we got our sign up outside, we blew up. Yeah. Sales blew up. And a good part of it was I had two girls working for me that were just like killing it on social media. Yeah. And that's those only two things I can think of is their their job on social media 
and visibility. the visibility. Uh, I mean, we were everything doubled. Yeah. I mean, sales doubled, but then payroll doubled. I mean, sure. cost everything just. So it took me about six months to get a handle on everything. Actually, probably longer than that. Because, you know, then it's like, okay, do I need to work three people at one time or sure. do just one person? Because we had just been running one person at a time, but we can't. Now we're two people uh, almost almost all the time. In that transitional period, what was the biggest kind of like thing that you learned? Um, it was being nimble, mm. being uh, flexible, very fluid, able to, you know, adjust. change, adjust. You know, if all of a sudden, like my chai tea lattes. Which you know we use a, a mix, um, whereas I only need like five bags every two weeks. All of a sudden, I'm having to order twenty. Yeah. Uh, same thing with roasting. It's like all this cold brew. That yeah. cold brew is a great example. You know, I mean, yeah. we we were roast. We were uh, making fifteen gallons of cold brew every two days. All of a sudden, I said, okay, now we're making just, yeah twenty two gallons, and sometimes every day we were making 20 because we were just going through it so fast. Yeah. Now we're back down to 23 gallons every other day yeah. of cold brew. But it's uh, being very fluid. Uh, but you got to be smart because, you know, you can't just buy, so like, say, syrups, like, say, vanilla. Yeah. You know, we might have kept five in the shop at all times. Well, I can't just buy 50 of them because yeah. then my inventory is tied up That's in right. 50 50 balls. And if you need napkins, paper towels, toilet paper. That's right. Straw. I mean, everything. And that's something I have to teach my employees is that, you know, you walk in here and, oops, somebody spilled something. You grab a bunch of BevNaps. Yeah. Well, that handful of BevNaps cost me money. That's right. They don't see that. They just see it as just paper towels will just throw them away. That's right. But it's like every single thing in there costs me money. Sure. And goes against my profit. And that's, you know, that's something I've known just throughout my career, having to be responsible for you know, running stores, regions, uh, projects. Um, and I know that my employees think, and I am cheap. I mean, you got to be, you got to, frugal. Frugal is the word I'm supposed to use. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that's I forgot. I'm supposed to, yeah, I'm supposed to use the word frugal. Um, you know, but like I see them wipe up something with a paper towel. I say, yeah. why don't you use the towel? Yeah. You know, it's, and it's just, that's just something, you know, that I'm always going to be that way because sure. I'm looking at every single thing that we use goes against my profit. Gotcha. So, What's the future look like? You know, I'm kind of going to wait and see what the economy's doing. Sure. Because it's, it's always scary. You're never sure what step to take. Uh-huh. But probably next year we'll start exploring uh, going full-time into wholesale um, and second location. I'm, Love I'm that. very – I've opened a second location before. Sure. Uh, and that's when I had only been open for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very leery about doing that. Uh, and it would have to be – out of town sure um because the last one i was in town and what i found was so again the my personality and and my ability to connect with people is what helped grow my business so when i had two shops wherever i was that's where everybody would go got you uh and when i did a test and it was january had been open four months so january no i had been open five months uh january spent at the other location did great but then my main location, this one here on Main Street, started dropping sure. and sales dropped. So I was like, okay. So February, I was like, hey, I'm going to stay here on Main Street and see what the other stop shop does. Well, it, it did. And so, I mean, I closed February 16th. I didn't even make it through the entire month because yeah. I could see what was happening. Sure. I was like, I'm dry. It's dragging me down. It's pulling the profits from this shop to open to run the other one that's right and that's one of the things i said i would never do sure uh so i was like i talked to the owner of the floor shop i was in i was yep. like hey this is not working out for me 
it's a great space and it had a great opportunity and it felt like when I first started out. But at that point, it was like I had a bunch of costs that I didn't have when I first started out. And it's like, I just, I can't do it. So I was able to sell all my equipment, break even. The only loss I had was the payroll I paid. Mm. Um, but that was, and I told her, that was always, we were going to see for six months, see what happens, and was able to to pull out. Yeah. So, you know, uh, my, my channel is really meant for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. people that are interested in, you know, whatever business it is. Uh, from your experience, what would you be willing to impart in terms of knowledge for them? Well, you know, a lot of it is find something you're passionate about. You know, it doesn't have to be something you love, but it's something you're passionate about that you can monetize. You know, you could be passionate about collecting butterflies, but you're not going to make any money doing that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You can press them and put them on glass and make you know, mobiles. You don't know now. I know. <laughs> but, that's true. But, you know, but, but <laughs> if you can figure out a way to make money from it, then that's sure. what should be your business. Because uh, if you're not passionate, then it's just a job. Uh, the other thing I would say is before you get into a business, make sure you're aware of everything you're going to have to lay out the first year. Mm. You know, like I think what caught me, because again, I'm, I know there's a certain method you're supposed to use when you start a business. And I was just like, I'm going to start a coffee shop. <laughs> uh, was taxes, fees, yeah. and dues. Yeah. If I had known what I had to pay, I have to pay every January, I was like, dang, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Same thing, pay, I didn't know you had to pay payroll taxes. Yeah. That, you know, and it's like, now I do that every week. And yeah. I'm like, oh my, or every month. And I'm like, dang, I hate doing this stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so do that. And then if you can figure out a way to use somebody else's money yeah. without giving up ownership or giving up minimal ownership of your business and control, like I wouldn't give up any control of my business if somebody gave me money because it's still my vision. You know, at some point I'll step away sure. and then whoever wants can do whatever they want with sure. it. But in the meantime, I have to have all the say. That's right. And that's hard. It's hard to find. You've got to find those angel investors, somebody sure. that's, that will believe in what you do and let you do your thing. Sure. So, that's right. But it's easier with other people's money. That's right. Because I And I didn't. I never had anybody's money. It was all whatever I scrounged together, whatever I saved, uh, whatever I traded for uh, in order to, to grow my business every time. That's right. Well, David, I, I have to say that your story is an inspirational one. I didn't know, Thanks. I didn't realize that it was that deep that you had, you know, that much experience. But I can see how every step along the way has poured into this moment in mm-hmm. time where you are at Cool Beans and serving a phenomenal product. Well, thank so you. So I appreciate everything that you've done for the community, and then excited for everything that you're planning to do for the future. Well, thank you very much. I really, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that's the show. All right. Thank you, man.